0: Hello. We're trying this again.
1: Take two. Uh,
0: so hopefully we don't have any connectivity issues. So we'll just jump into it then. So welcome. We're, we're a little late today.
1: That's my fault completely. But you can
0: watch this on your lunch break. So that's there. You go. Let us know if For that's those of something you who have that you a lunch enjoy. Break. Yeah, so that's a good thing. I do not have a lunch break.
1: <clears throat> you know you you gotta. You got to talk to your union steward about that. See what you can do. So
0: every time I hear the word union, now I just I've been watching Hamilton too much.
1: Ah, so. all right, gotcha. They had some conflict in Hamilton.
0: They had quite a bit of conflict in Hamilton. Didn't because it was totally historically accurate. They didn't
1: well. always choose their battles wisely.
0: They did not. So what? Are, how is that going to wrap up? in what we're talking about? Well, today? you you
1: want to make sure that you're wise in choosing your battles. You don't always have to have a duel with Aaron Burr. So. You, or with,
0: you have a duel with Aaron Burr once, and or, that's or about Or with all Raymond things. Burr.
1: You don't have to have a duel with him either. But. I
0: don't know who that is. Is it a sports person?
1: No, that is Perry Mason.
0: Oh. Yeah, so. I see those on Hallmark yeah. coming up, and I just don't watch them. <laughs> they don't, I, don't like, I don't like mysteries. Is that oh. weird? My mom really likes mysteries. Yeah, I'm not a mystery
1: they have a whole I mean, channel for that with Hallmark. Right? I know. So.
0: I like the movies part, but not the mysteries part. Mm-hmm.
1: There's no mystery to the. Well, I figure, yeah, there.
0: in the romance movies, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. So in the mystery movies, you probably know what's going to happen too. So
1: you fight with your mom over what you get to watch.
0: I don't live with my mom, so no. <laughs>
1: oh, but don't you guys ever watch movies together? Um,
0: not as much anymore. Now I feel bad. Wow, mom, I'll come over and bring she the probably popcorn feels lonely
1: weekend. and isolated, disconnected in the midst of COVID nineteen.
0: That's a danger for senior that's a danger for that, senior huh? citizens. I've written Especially many, if
1: their kids neglect them and I've watch written many with still, them,
0: so. I've <laughs> written many an article about the the da- the mental health dangers of COVID nineteen, especially on senior citizens. Yeah. Not that I'm calling my mom a senior citizen, but technically she is. But well, well, you but you wouldn't welcome, call her But that. I wouldn't call her that to her face.
1: <laughs> not twice. <laughs> She'll go all Aaron Burr on you.
0: Because then well then I'm not gonna be here next week. So <laughs> We would have to handle that conflict a little bit better.
1: Yes, we would. You need to choose your battles wisely. Okay. Which is actually...
0: Don't argue with your mom. Exactly
1: what effective servants of Christ do. They choose their battles wisely. And we see that demonstrated in what uh, Paul and... uh, Paul in particular, he's the central character here, but he and Silas uh, in Acts chapter 16 are moving forward. And as they do that, they've separated from, uh, from Barnabas and Mark. But... Uh, like immediately, next paragraph, um, Paul decides to pick up a young protege named Timothy, who well, has a really good reputation uh, in the area surrounding his hometown. They, they get to Lystra, and, and um, my my guess is that, that they already knew each other from coming through before, um, and... Anyway, the, the reputation Timothy has is good. We know from uh, other things in his writings to Timothy later that he deals with some you know, personal weaknesses, as we all do. For him, it's uh, timidity uh, and, and some health issues, which is interesting because Mark deserted him. So many commentators have kind of made the, the remark that um, Paul doesn't want to deal with somebody who's fearful or, or timid. And then he picks up Timothy right after this. So there's, uh, there's some strange happenings afoot here with Paul. Because not only does he pick up Timothy, but Timothy comes from a, a mixed home where his mother is a Jewish uh, believer and his father is ostensibly not a believer and more specifically is a Gentile, is a Greek. Mm-hmm. And so um, Paul, for the sake of the, the Jews in the area to avoid conflict has Timothy circumcised, which seems to fly in the face of everything that he just had conflict about previously. Right. And so uh, even in this very paragraph, he has him circumcised for the sake of the Jews, and then they go about delivering the Jerusalem Council letter and the instructions, which specifically say you don't need to be circumcised. So So what
0: is Timothy thinking then? Like, hey man. That's a good question. Hey man. (laughs) Why Why? He's probably
1: thinking, ow. Oh, well, I, know, but I didn't go there. There, There's a lot of, I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> but, the, uh,
0: but wouldn't that be your first, like, if you were Timothy, wouldn't you be like, wait. Sure.
1: Right. You know, I, I have to imagine, and, and I would say, I'm, I feel pretty certain about it, that Paul would have gone to great lengths to explain to him why sure, we're right. not violating conscience by doing this. Especially considering how strongly Paul feels about it, as evidenced by his New Testament letters to other churches saying, do not do this. Well, why not? Well, because they're doing it, caving into to the legalism, mm-hmm. to falling into this ritualistic idea of what it means to be a Christ follower. At the same time, I think it's consistent with what Paul would say through the rest of those things. Even, I think, if you were talking to the other churches, and this is me speculating, even if if you were talking to the other churches about circumcision, he would take the same approach as he does in Second Corinthians 9. Follow my example as I follow Christ, but I'm going to do anything I can to reach as many people as I can. Mm-hmm. So if I'm dealing with Jews, I'm going to approach that as a Jew. If I'm dealing with Gentiles, I'm going to approach that as a Gentile. In our day, we could, you know we could see this as, you know, if I'm dealing with educated folks, I'm going to speak intellectually. If I'm dealing with a person on the street, I'm going to kind of... Tailor that conversation, the way I approach it to what fits there. If I'm dealing with uh, with people from a particular ethnic background, uh, of, of a particular, you know, I don't know, political persuasion. Uh, if I'm talking to a male or female, I'm going to tailor how I approach that. I'm not going to violate conscience and uh, compromise truth, but there are just certain things that we do, and and, and I think we understand that just from from basic courtesy and relationships right. you don't talk to your grandmother the same way you talk to your sister you know it's, right. it's two different relationships and so it's a lot like that and paul says uh, to the corinthian church I'm, look i'm gonna do whatever it takes to try to connect with as many, as many people as possible later in acts we see uh we see paul go to the uh, he's in athens and he, and he goes to uh to this discussion or debate, you know, they sit around and listen to wise people saying wise things. (laughs) I just saw a Dick Van Dyke episode similar to that last night, which was hilarious, but totally irrelevant to what we're talking about. (laughs) Anyhow, um, and he he goes and he approaches them from a perspective they can understand. I see you're very religious. Let me talk to you about this idol, this, you know, uh, statue you have here uh, honoring an unknown God. Let me tell you about this God that you don't know you you know you you recognize that there's a god here that that is unnamed let me put it let me put a name on that for you and then he goes in and describes and talks about it and and some are mocking him and some are excited to hear more and so he he engages in conversation in the cultural context that is fitting there and so we want to always make sure as we're presenting the gospel and this is what what Paul does so well that we don't we don't change. We don't compromise the gospel, but there is an element of contextualization that we want to make sure we're always aware of. We want to we want to think in terms of our hearers. So if you know if I'm talking to a a men's group, I'm going to speak differently than to a women's group. You if want I'm to read the room, there, essentially, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the level of authority in the relationship right. then dictates how we go about that. So you know. I I might talk to my daughter differently than I would talk to you know a, another kid on the street. Um, I'm going to talk to you differently uh, because of our relationship than I might talk to you know some other um, single mom that I know in town. You know we're just not going to have the same kinds of conversations, even though the truth doesn't change, the reality doesn't change. I don't want to hedge on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is kind of the the difficulty uh, that we've seen. In American evangelicalism, in debates over seeker-driven churches, uh, they very often use the term seeker-sensitive these days as equivalent to what we used to call seeker-driven. And and I don't think those are necessarily the same things, but um, when we start trying to tailor the church service, we start trying to package the message specifically to appease the flesh to 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 cater to the cultural context therefore we just kind of throw away um, accepted traditions we throw away societal norms we throw away any number of things and it it we can do that to a certain extent and while some would argue the slippery slope mm-hmm. uh, applies there and I think very often it does uh, I th- there's a line that we cross at a certain point. We can we can make those adjustments. You know, we're a little more contemporary than than some other churches and less contemporary than others. And we think we've hit kind of a you know, or I don't know if we've done it super well, but you know, we've been trying to sort of hit the the sweet spot. And when mm-hmm. we started real life in 2003, we kind of came from the approach that we can't. If, if we're trying to reach the community as a particularly missional church, you know, not really a church plant because we didn't come from somewhere else, but but as a new church, um, it was important for us to be able to, um, to speak to people where they are, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we kind of, if I can use the phrase, marketed ourselves, and I don't mean to be crass or secular, but as we were publicizing the work, um, the, the, phrase kind of stuck with us whether we chose it or not. That We were kind of the church for people who don't like church. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that I love that now, and I don't know that I would say that. A certain
0: thing pops into your head when you think that.
1: But yeah, that was... So we knew if we tried, because we'd been seeing through the 90s people doing what was known as blended worship, where you kind of do... You know, you do some songs to appease the older crowd. You know, you do your traditional thing, and in fact, the church that we came from, they did this. So we had the the pianist and organist play for a couple of hymns, and then they'd stop, and the pastor would bring out his guitars, and everybody would take out their their you know praise book or whatever they called it at the time, a uh, little paperback hymnal type thing, and then you'd sing these. You know more contemporary courses. When I say contemporary, they're like the 70s, but you know you know what I'm saying. This one only
0: got him from the 1800s to compare.
1: <laughs> and, and so we were seeing that in churches around the way. Right. And so even here locally, one of our local churches that, that we do some things with uh, divided into two services. They had mm. their, oh, yeah, uh, I I've think seen that. one of them was, what they call it, a Wellspring service. I don't know what, it, something like that, where they had a contemporary early service and a traditional later service, those kinds of things. And what ended up happening is you, you create more division than anything else. Right. By by trying to appease everyone, inevitably it failed. And and so I think what we do here would rightly be described as blended worship, primarily because we're not trying to appease anybody. Mm-hmm. We're, here's here's what seems to fit us. We want to make an effort to make sure that we are working Older hymns into mm. our stuff,
0: even if we do them in a different way, right? You know,
1: largely because content matters, right. and the content is so strong in in many of those old hymns. There are some garbage hymns too. Don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, that there are hymns that that. Are well known that maybe have some bad doctrine in them, so we either avoid those or we change them. And, and there are
0: contemporary pieces that have that absolutely. <laughs> we
1: do that now. We do that with you know. There's a number of Hillsong things right. that we've done. We've and, changed and, the
0: words on, or and I whatever. just
1: we won't. I feel like Kanye. We won't do that song with those lyrics. Right. We might change them. You can silence my phone if it's acting dumb over there. And when I say acting dumb, I mean doing what it's supposed to do. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, you know. So we'll we'll take a, a song. Uh, and and just completely rewrite a verse for it, like um, uh, What a Beautiful Name, which is a fantastic song, But the second verse is heretical to say that that Jesus came to earth because he didn't want heaven without us. Like he us. was lonely. Like, yeah, God is insufficient until we fill that need. We complete him. You know, what a horrible, horrible concept in an otherwise beautiful and sound song. So we just rewrote it to reflect the, the, the fullness of God in himself. And, and we're, not, we're not trying to fight over it. you know. And we've talked about reckless love became a point of contention in the church where people were freaking out because you used the word reckless and God. God's not reckless. Yeah, okay, but there is a certain amount of poetic license you go with it too. Now, we've never done that song. I don't know if we ever will because the moment's a little bit past. I don't know how timeless that song will prove to be. Um, it was
0: like the shock value of it.
1: But there's a beautiful element of right. that. In the same way that we talk about recklessness and extravagance uh, in, in so many sermons preaching about um, the the woman uh, anointing Jesus' feet with, with the expensive perfume and how... Extravagant, and of course, people are up in arms. Judas, in particular. Well, that's the same kind of recklessness that, right. that he's talking about in that song. I don't know. I don't know the man that wrote it. He's from Kalamazoo, but I don't know him personally. I I have no idea where he's at in his personal approach to it. But that I didn't ever think about that being calling that. God reckless right. until somebody brought it up. We're not looking to have a rehashing of the 80s and 90s worship wars that's not a place that that we want to fight that's not a you know it's not right for us to do that but there are places to get back to what we're talking about because i kind of took a side road there um there are places that we do have to stand and fight that the church has to put their foot down uh and recently you know we've seen uh Grace Community Church in, in uh, California, uh, John MacArthur's church, all over the news because they f- came to a place where they've changed their position, they've taken a stand. Governor Newsom uh, changed some of his restrictions. They felt like they were being targeted and oppressed. They and said, we, we will kneel to Christ and not to Caesar. And so they publicly announced, we are doing this. Yes, we are defying the order. We're exercising civil disobedience and meeting as a church. Um, and there's debate as to whether that's the right thing or the wrong thing. I, that's for somebody else to decide. But they felt, the elders of, of grace felt that it was necessary now. Having said straight along, we need to submit to the authorities. Mm-hmm. We need to go along with these things. Now they've gone too far. We have to put our foot down. We have to stop and fight. I think that's I think that's an appropriate understanding of what we're called to as Christians. When we see what Paul says to the Romans about submitting to authority, which has been abused over the years, it has been ignored over the years. It's been, you know, the devil loves that pendulum swing. So we've seen that used to justify slavery. Don't stand against it. It's the law of the land. Submit to the authorities. We've seen that used to justify not fighting against abortion. It's the law of the land. You know. We've also seen that uh, used to, to uh, even justify things like uh, misogyny and, and sexual abuse or, or, or domestic violence in the home. That you, know, this, you have been called to submit to your husband, therefore you, know, you have no business to stand up here those are all abuses of the scripture and and the weight of the text, the direction of the author's thought does not bear that. It doesn't support that at all. But people have gone that far. So then we go the other way. and It's like, well, now we just have to ignore it. We're going to throw it away. Well, you know, we're going to align ourselves as Christ followers with American revolutionary values that we're going to we're going to protest, we're going to fight, nobody can tell me what to do, don't tread on me and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I saw a thing yesterday from a pastor I respect who basically was talking about their political homelessness. To mm-hmm. be politically homeless is really a pretty good place to be as a Christ follower. I don't know if I entirely agree with it, but the, but the thought was I get in it, a positive yeah. direction. If I am aligned or allied with a particular political party to the extent that i compromise
0: mm-hmm.
1: my biblical convictions and i become a democrat or a republican more strongly than i am a christ follower then to, i have right. thrown it away and today a, it
0: seems so that's so where people are absolutely you are extremely this or extremely that and you're all in and if
1: you are a part of this party or that party whichever is the opposite party of me, right. then you can't be saved. You're, you're right. obviously not a good person. You're right. not a Christian if we disagree. Well, that's the wrong kind of conflict. And particularly in the church, that that just doesn't make any sense. And Paul goes to great lengths throughout his letters to echo that that sentiment to say, look, we're brothers. Mm-hmm. We're sisters. We are united by Christ. All of this stuff of this world, however important it is now here in this moment, it's all going to burn up. We're not here for that. We don't belong here. We're not citizens of this world. And I think that's probably a big part of why he uses that particular phrasing and hammers this idea that as Christ followers, we are aliens and strangers in this world. We're here, but as the as the old spiritual says, we're just a passing through. You know, we're we're not part of it. We're in it, but we're not of it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't preclude civic responsibility it doesn't keep us from voting and, and acting uh in a in a positive way to effect change for sure but we have to understand that all the change in this world everything that we can possibly do in a in a social setting in a justice setting is still meaningless apart from Christ if we eradicate racism in the United States completely and we do it from a secular perspective and we and we miss the gospel, that's all a waste of time. Mm -hmm. So the reality of life, and this is the biblical and Christian worldview, the reality of life finds itself in Christ, in the reality of God. So we must then connect, as we say here, the reality of God to the realities of life. The reality of God then trumps All of our everyday realities because they're temporary.
0: Right. And when we were, uh, you know, a couple of years ago or however long it's been now, when we were coming up with that little, you know, catchphrase or slogan or whatever, we talked about that. Um, I'm not sure if we actually talked about it on the podcast, but you and I talked about it that there is one reality with God and yeah. so many realities quote unquote right. in life yeah
1: experiences right that and that's use.
0: really the better word for it yeah. but people get invested so deeply in those experiences that that we've we've said this before in the podcast that we'll say like my reality my truth right. my whatever but and it, it's so easy to get tangled up in those those realities and when you think about it the one reality that one reality is God yeah and so when you think about things from that perspective, it, it makes you realize, wow, getting into these conflicts is really kind of dumb. But <laughs> it doesn't stop you from doing it again and again and again, myself included.
1: Well, and that's why it's important for us to, to learn how to think like Christ so that we can choose our battles wisely. And, and when we look at Paul, very often he gets portrayed as this very harsh Stern, it's my way or the highway kind of guy, and there are times when when that's absolutely true.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the exact same thing can and should be said about Jesus. There mm-hmm. are times when Jesus breaks out the whip and overturns the tables. There are times when he calls the Pharisees a brood of vipers. You know, there are times when he says to Peter, "Get behind me, Satan." You know,
0: that's kind of harsh. Yeah, you right? never see. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because most people have this this image of this, you know, kind, gentle, loving Jesus, right. which, yes, accurate, but... But partial. But you never see Jesus get walked all over. Like, nobody's right. going to, you know, he's not laying down like a doormat. He Yeah,
1: other than... Not because of weakness, anyway. Right, so that's what I mean. He certainly does that when he allows himself... To be crucified. Well, sure. You know? I mean, so, <laughs> but he, but he, he knows serves. what he's. I'm
0: saying he's. He knows what he's doing. He's right. not just like, yeah, you win. I'm, I was you know.
1: introducing my daughter to the '80s sitcom Perfect Strangers, which is absolutely well worth watching. Uh, wow, that takes me back. Oh, man, why well,
0: can't I remember the hilarious. guy's name?
1: Uh, the character, or the actor, the Bronson character. Pinchot was played Balky.
0: Balky, and,
1: and it, it was pretty hilarious. I and used awesome. to watch that. Cousin Larry, mm-hmm. they're in Chicago, and he's teaching Balky, who's super innocent from the metri- right. Mediterranean island of Mepos, and, and he's just letting everybody take advantage of him all right. the time. And so Larry is trying to teach him not to be naive. And in the process, hilarious hijinks ensue. But... As they do. But what ends up happening is is there's... There comes out a delineation between naivete and and allowing yourself to, to get walked on and choosing to do for others, right. choosing to right. serve others. There, we don't want to be jaded. Right. We don't want to be naive. We want to be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. We need to recognize that sometimes doing everything somebody wants is not helpful to them.
0: Right.
1: But the reality is Jesus calls his followers followers to make themselves servants, slaves of everyone. If you want to be first in the kingdom, you you need to make yourself last. You need to put everybody else ahead of yourself, which sometimes looks like, from a worldly perspective, being a doormat. Mm -hmm. Why are you putting up with that? Why do you let them do that? And we need to be able to, whether we answer with our mouths to others, we don't always have to justify our behaviors, but we need to be able to answer in our minds to ourselves and to the Lord, Here is why I do this. When I tolerate this injustice against me, why do I do that? I do that out of reverence for Christ. I do that so that I can, in turning the other cheek, be an example of Christ to the world. If it's just that I don't have the spine to stand up, then that's not a picture of Christ. Because he absolutely stood up when that was the thing to do to defend the glory and honor of the Lord. He's consumed with the zeal of the Lord. Same thing with Paul. Paul, who by his own description, becomes sort of a chameleon. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to be all things to all people so that by all means I might win some. Because if I don't, people die and go to hell. And it's too important for me to get hung up on my preferences, my cultural expectations, or or what feels good to me, or my comfort zone, all that kind of stuff. No, none of that. I'm throwing all of that away. All of my comforts in this world, all of my uh, reputation, my pride, I count all of that garbage, manure, loss. It's got to go because the only thing that matters is Christ. The only thing that matters is for me to to live for others for the sake of the Lord. And if I can do that, then that's the difference between being blindly taken advantage of and choosing to serve others as you do that. And so as, as uh, we look at how, how Paul makes that distinction, uh, how do I know the difference? For us, we need to know that. How does he do that? And, and really, it comes down to thinking like Christ. We need to, t- we need to have the mind of Christ we need to consider things from, an, from a, a heavenly, divine perspective. And so uh, if I'm going to choose wisely in the battles that I face, and we are going to face battles, I need to prioritize the glory of God. I need to do everything I do for, for God's glory. I need to to do the same thing that Jesus did. If I have to suffer for the sake of God being glorified, awesome. Bring it. I'm going to do that. I need to prioritize the good of others. Uh, Romans 14 19 says make every effort you know to, to what we want to do is to make every effort to to live in a way that promotes peace mutual mutual edification we're going to build others up we want to be be working in such a way that that we are doing good sharing with others living in a way that pleases God because we are modeling what what jesus did we're reflecting the reality of who he is and what he did for us through the relationships that we have uh, we need to prioritize the significance of eternity not get caught up in all the stuff now you know today as we're talking it's uh, primary election day here and so you know i'm, I'm gonna go vote mm-hmm. what i'm not gonna do is get caught up in in fights and arguments about you know, who, who you and what or, or whatever. Why or whatever. Um, because all of those things are, they pale in comparison mm-hmm. to the gospel. And along that line, I have friends who have run for office. That I have people that I feel very strongly about supporting uh, in office. But we made a decision a long time ago when we started the church. Because I'm a pastor and and, and recognized as a, if I could say a public Christian, you know, which we should all be, but anyway, I think, I I think mean, we all yeah. know where we're going. We won't put anybody's campaign signs, mm-hmm. any any political signs in our yard. It doesn't matter. You could be running against Mussolini or, or right. Hitler or whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to do anything that, because of a sign, when somebody drives by the, the house or is walking their dog on the street and they form an opinion mm-hmm. about, the people living there, now I'm not going to that church because they stand for that. Well, you don't know right. from a sign. Right. You think you know, but you don't know, right? So we need to be able to have a conversation. If we're talking about it, I'll absolutely support whoever it is that I choose to support. Um, I'll, I can talk about my friends that are running for office right. and so on um, because we can then have a conversation. And that removes unnecessary obstacles to faith. That's what Paul's doing here by having Timothy uh, circumcised. Is removing unnecessary obstacles so that we can get to the heart of the matter. Because you
0: know someone was going to be like, well, Timothy's not circumcised. Well, absolutely. <laughs> right. And they've
1: been seeing that right. over and over again. You're getting stoned and, and kicked out over over upsetting the apple So he's
0: just like, all right, let's get this out of the way because people, it's drawing attention that it doesn't need to draw. Exactly.
1: So now, don't. you know, people know he's a Greek. They're going to ask... You know, right. well, is he, does he identify Greek or does he identify Jewish believer, you know, which it's funny when I use those terms, it sounds like something we're talking about here today. Right. But that's absolutely what they were talking about it's there. Nothing new. So you've got both of these things right. in you. How do you see because yourself? Because
0: instantly, if he chooses one or the other, if he says one or the other, those people are going to form an opinion. Right. While,
1: and and that's, it's the same reason that, that we are a community church, not part of a denomination, mm-hmm. because... As soon as we put a dem- denominational People label, a certain way. you know, if this was real life Presbyterian church or Baptist church or Methodist church or whatever it is, or Lutheran church. Um,
0: you even told a joke about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, did I? I was <laughs> pushing a guy off no, a bridge. No, no,
1: oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we get these labels and these categories. And so once we, once we do that, then we create in our minds and our hearts a caricature of that person. We don't see them for the person. We see them for the thing. Not just religious
0: affiliations, but pretty much anything. Right. Anything.
1: So because of that, Paul removes that unnecessary obstacle by saying, look, circumcision isn't anything. For the sake of the ministry, we're going to do this. Hudson Taylor did the same thing when he uh, uh, began the China Inland Mission. And and it became the most successful and prominent mission uh, in East Asia. And so as... As he's doing this, along the way, he didn't start this way, but along the way, he recognized we're going to be able to connect with these people more if we can relate to them where they are. So he began to assimilate to their culture, mm-hmm. dressed like a Chinese person, grew out the whatever the, I keep call, seeing it called pigtail, but there's a Chinese word for it. I don't know what it is. You know, growing all that out. Growing, it's probably not picked up. Growing, I think that's the English word <laughs> right. for it. That's actually that's
0: what we can associate.
1: Appropriate, with. I guess. But however, however, it is, uh, he assimilated that so much so that that you're speaking their language, you're mm-hmm. following their culture. Why? Because the culture doesn't matter in reality, but it matters to that person that you're talking mm-hmm. to. So let's let's strip this down. What ultimately matters is they have to know Christ. They don't have to look English. They don't have to be, as as the imperialists would say, civilized. We don't have to bring them into our culture. But they have to know Christ
0: so to be able come, to face so eternity. So let me come to them yeah. Yeah. to their way of Dramatic
1: thinking. difference you know, as far as how that was handled. So you know, when we recognize the significance of eternity as a priority, that helps us decide, is this a battle worth fighting or is it not? Do I, do I need to, when I go into this culture, do I need to have Sunday school offered in English? Right. Well, of course not. I need to do what it takes to connect the reality of God to the realities in of fact, life. In fact,
0: you'd probably meet more resistance if you did that.
1: Precisely. So the more I can do to, to stop promoting these earthly things Especially and, Western and promote culture. eternal things, and right now in particular... Yeah. You know, those things are, are going to help me be able to figure it out. So, the glory of God, the good of others, the significance of eternity, and, and lastly, I need to prioritize the urgency of the gospel. Now, there are probably other things that we can look at along with these, but these four we see here uh, in, in Paul's life, we see it demonstrated in Christ's life, we see it in the teachings of both, and the urgency of the gospel because of the significance of others of eternity when we're focused on the glory of god we're focused on the good of other people doing the loving thing for them as an expression of our love for god and we recognize that eternity is eternal it's forever can't
0: even wrap your head around it. right
1: i mean this is whatever's going on now right this is the the title page of the great novel and and why would you get hung up on just the title? This book really isn't that good. It's just, you know, this, you're on the title page, man. Read the book. Well, we need to bring people into eternity. Well, how do we do that? We do that through the gospel. We bring them to the truth to recognize that, that there is only, there's only this life here for a moment. And then only, only our life in Christ will, will survive that. We're all going to die. We're all going to face judgment some of us in christ will receive grace the rest of us outside of christ will receive condemnation that's worth fighting about that's worth taking a stand and say okay if you're going to if you're going to persecute me okay no problem we'll take that conflict because it's too important but i'm not going to if it's if it if it's not dealing with one of these four things then i want to be real Careful. I, don't, I don't want to be loath to enter into conflict over pointless things.
0: So that's good. That. And we will stop there because uh, we're already over. Man, of course. Funny are. how that works. But thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next time. Peace. See ya.